Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The eastern half of the Mediterranean did not change its political geography over the last several decades. The same countries are there, inhabiting mainlands and islands, including two entities whose status is unsettled, including the Turkish-occupied part of Cyprus and the Gaza Strip. Yet what was a quiet sea, seasonal storms notwithstanding, turned into troubled waters because of two factors, the newly discovered resources in contested, exclusive economic zones, and the assertive policy of the Ankara government under President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. This is a subject too comprehensive to squeeze into one talk. So, for the first of two parts, joining us from central Israel is Dr. Eran Lerman, who is the Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security and a lecturer at Shalem College in Jerusalem. Welcome. Thank you. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Dr. Chaitan Konyanarochak, who is a research fellow at the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security as well, and a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And also uh, with me in the studio is our TV7 analyst, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on uh, the complexities presented in today's topic. Well, we've covered uh, this uh, subject um, in several recent uh, programs. And uh, what one uh, uh, can emphasize is that right now, there seem to be uh, three hotspots. Uh, Libya, uh, which is uh, perhaps not the eastern uh, half of the Mediterranean. It's uh, midway uh, through the, um, the sea. But uh, Turkey, uh, which of course is part of the Eastern Med, uh, is one of the major factors there. We have Lebanon, um, both because of what happened uh, following the explosion there um, in August and because of the talks with Israel regarding their maritime dispute. But mostly it seems as if the focus is on Turkey. And this is because of the uh, policies uh, which President uh, Erdogan uh, has saw fit, has seen fit uh, to uh, issue, um, and which perhaps we can discuss here uh, might be changing. Uh, there is uh, uh, some hope that uh, they will not uh, stay constant, but also because recently both the European Union and the United States have decided to sanction Turkey. And obviously, Turkey is a, also European, not only an Asian uh, power, not a member of the EU, but a European power, and uh, a member of good standing in NATO. And the fact that earlier this week, the United States has decided um, to uh, designate both the uh, uh, presidency of the procurement uh, office of the defense ministry and uh, for people at the very top of uh, this body because of the uh, procurement of the S-400 system. This is part of what is called uh, CATSA or Section 231 
um, of, uh, of the law in the United States. The administration didn't really have a lot of leeway because this was congressionally mandated. But nevertheless, we have here, uh, because of uh, uh, a decision by Turkey to purchase a Russian system, we have a crisis within NATO, and the European uh, Union uh, had another problem with NATO. This had to do with the exploration of disputed waters with Greece, which is, of course, both a member of the EU as well as of NATO. Indeed. I'd like to refer my next question to Dr. Konya Naochak. When we're talking about Turkey specifically, this is your uh, line of expertise, uh, we see a lot of uh, different maneuvering uh, being conducted simultaneously uh, when they're dealing, of course, with uh, NATO on the one hand, dealing with the European Union on the other, then suddenly the United States. And uh, Russia is, of course, a big factor, not to forget the Russian presence in the eastern Mediterranean on the Syrian coast, where it won uh, all the tenders, one uh, may not be the right uh, word for it, but it uh, attained all the tenders uh, with regard to uh, offshore exploration, and uh, the Turks feel more and more... Uh, uh, caught up in, in various regional and global uh, power games and power plays, uh, something that it's uh, very frustrated about, at least from what I hear from Ankara. How do you see uh, the developments actually challenging uh, Turkey at a time when its economy is now with a double-digit inflation and it's uh, seeking uh, uh, to get out of it by means of uh, defense uh, uh, trades and, and uh, all kind of... Uh, areas in that sector which are now under sanctions? Uh, well, first of all, I must uh, emphasize that the Turkish decision makers in Ankara, as far as I understand, uh, according to my impression, they came to the conclusion that their uh, precious loneliness foreign policy doctrine is not working anymore. And given the fact that now uh, we are also preparing for a new leadership in Washington, D.C., uh, the Erdogan government uh, is keen on to mend uh, the relationship uh, with the United States. Uh, despite, the, despite this fact, uh, we witnessed uh, these new Ka'atsa uh, sanctions. So uh, in this regard, we are also witnessing nowadays that the Turkish administration is giving us uh, new signals uh, to also end her relations with Jerusalem. Uh, last, uh, approximately last week, uh, an admiral uh, called Jihad Yaiji, who was uh, considered as the architect of the Turkey's Blue Homeland uh, Doctrine in the Eastern Mediterranean, contributed an article to Tel Aviv University's Moshe Dayan Center's Turkiscope magazine. Uh, I'm the editor of this magazine. So we published this article uh, at Tel Aviv University, and basically uh, Mr. Yaiji proposed a new maritime delimitation treaty to Israel. And accordingly, of course, uh, this new maritime delimitation uh, treaty is at the expense of Greece and Cyprus. And there are new expectations in Ankara that uh, Israel can do uh, such, a, uh, such a new uh, agreement with Ankara. But uh, as far as I understand, uh, our decision makers in Jerusalem will never do such a mistake. I am also underlining the word mistake because... Uh, in my opinion, uh, our relationship with Turkey should not be a zero-sum game uh, uh, when considering our relationship with Greece uh, and Cyprus. But what I'm seeing here that the Turkish administration 
seeks to change its policy in the broader manner, and they are trying to find a way in order to persuade uh, their counterparts in Washington DC, uh, in Jerusalem, and also in the Brussels. And uh, when we are looking uh, the, to the uh, relationship between uh, Euro European Union and Turkey, uh, it would be very uh, critical for Turkey uh, not to see any further sanctions from the European Union, uh, given the fact that Germany is considered as the number one uh, as the number one importer uh, of Turkish goods uh, when we are looking at the Turkish statistics. So, uh, from my perspective, uh, Turkey uh, will uh, need to find a way in order to uh, in order to calm down the situation. The Kaatsa may pave the way also to the European sanctions. And uh, in this regard, uh, we may see uh, that the Turks, uh, uh, I think that it will be, uh, they will do some concessions and they have to compromise. I've uh, actually read the article you're referring to and uh, we published it uh, on uh, TV7 as well, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and after communicating about this specific article with uh, some uh, people in the halls of power of Jerusalem, uh, they uh, said somewhat uh, with, uh, uh, I don't want to say humor, but he said, uh, when it comes to Ankara-Jerusalem relations at the expense of uh, uh, Nicosia and Athens, the ship has sailed. Uh, Dr. Lerman, I'd like to ask you, when we're talking specifically about uh, the various developments pertaining to Turkey and uh, uh, the, the Europeans, uh, Israel seems to be on the European side. It's quite vocal about it. It's not shying away from it like it used to do in the past. How do you see this actually develop, considering the fact that the European Union is becoming more adamant or resolved uh, with regard to its uh, offshore interests? Well, to, to add to the equation, uh, we need uh, one uh, five-letter word and one uh, uh, six-letter word that uh, need to come into the, the equation. The five-letter word is Egypt. Egypt is, at the end of the day, an all-important question for Israel. This is not uh, currently an active issue in the sense of the Palestinian problem or Iran, but for um, the first generations of our existence, the first generation of our existence as a nation, uh, right up until 73, Egypt was our foremost enemy. And having it out of the uh, enemy uh, equation of threats uh, has been an extremely important issue. And uh, Israelis are nowadays reminded by a, a famous TV series. Um, I think it's being marketed worldwide as the Valley of Tears about the horrors of, uh, of the Yom Kippur War. Uh, taking, uh, this is the war that took Egypt out of the equation, but that depends on stability and, pros um, and, and relative prosperity. We all know the limitations of the Egyptian economy. Now, uh, the question is not just Greece. Greece and Cyprus are, are important to us in many ways. The redefinition of the Mediterranean is important to us. But of utmost importance is the relationship with Egypt, uh, the, the uh, idea of a... Uh, visit by the Prime Minister to Cairo is um, groundbreaking. The fact that Egypt has welcomed uh, as different, uh, distinctly from what they've done in the past, the Abrahamic agreements the, and the breakthrough with Morocco is also a significant sign. 
and Egypt and Turkey are at loggerheads. The, the, Libyan, the Libyan situation is essentially comes down to an, <laughs> an Egyptian-Turkish confrontation. Uh, quite tense. Uh, the, the Egyptians went so far as to uh, move significant concentrations of ground forces, of, of armored forces, to the western desert, almost reminiscent of the days of old, and, uh, and uh, to signal to the Turks that they will not allow uh, the GNA, the Turkish-supported government, to advance any further east. Now, the six-letter word is France. And France, it's not Europe where generally, which has some difficulties making decisions, <laughs> particularly because the Italians and the Maltese, for obvious reasons, are, are wary of, of, uh, of antagonizing Turkey and, and uh, breaking with the GNA nowadays. Uh, Spain has taken a pro-Turkish position, so Europe is conflicted. But France has taken a very firm position on, on two counts. One is that they support the Greek-Egyptian position in the Eastern Mediterranean firmly and unequivocally. They also support um, the uh, Egyptian proxies in Libya. Moreover, they have also taken, after the uh, decapitation, uh, God help us all, of, uh, of Samuel Paty, uh, they have taken a very firm position against Islamist penetration of the uh, uh, Muslims in Europe. And here, Erdogan uh, got so livid as to suggest that Macron needs mental treatment. So uh, Israel today, on, these, on this set of issues, Israel stands very firmly uh, in the same trench with the Egyptians, the Greeks and the Cypriots, and the French. This is uh, a, re a return to the days of the 50s, when France was of, uh, of uh, great importance to Israel's uh, strategic equation. All of this uh, speaks uh, against a turn around uh, and, you know, by being uh, swayed by a Turkish siren song. But I agree completely with her that we should not think of the relationship with Turkey, certainly not with the Turkish people who have been kind and hospitable to the Jews of, of Turkey for, for many years as an enemy. Indeed. Erdogan's uh, ambitions are the problem and may, not may the I, Turkish people. May Indeed. I second one mm of uh, Aaron Lehrman's points and take issue with another one. Uh, France, um, which he has uh, spoken about, uh, uh, one should uh, mention, it is the only European leader, if we have two leaders now, Germany and France, Britain uh, trying to, to break out of uh, the Union, uh, right now um, uh, in the last stages of Brexit, France is the only one with Mediterranean aspirations and presence. Germany, of course, uh, being uh, north of there. And France is also a permanent member of the Security Council. Uh, usually it is uh, not mentioned, uh, uh, but it has a veto power. Uh, it can uh, pull its weight. So one should, should uh, listen when Macron visits Lebanon, when Macron wants the Lebanese to fight corruption. It is not just another um, neighbor um, uh, or another country in the neighborhood. I would take issue with the uh, significance which Iran 
saw in what he called a breakthrough with Morocco. And that is because um, it is only a return to the uh, former uh, position which Morocco had with Israel following the Oslo um, uh, process and uh, peace with Jordan. Even and though it's a return under an AKP party in Morocco, which is similar to the one that rules Turkey. Yes, but it is, it is still a monarchy, yes, a constitutional one. But, but uh, in security and foreign affairs, the king calls the shots. By the way, it's, it's similar to the uh, uh, president in France, the uh, division of labor between the president and the prime minister. Now, um, I happened to look uh, at uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's uh, maiden speech in the Knesset when he was elected in 1996. And what he said at the time was, I am going to try and upgrade our relations, our normal relations with Morocco, Qatar, Mauritania, Tunisia. And uh, of course, what happened was that uh, six years later, no longer under Netanyahu, and for uh, obvious reasons, Morocco downgraded these relations. But the Moroccans right now, and because they know that President Trump is on his way out, President Biden is on his way in. It is not yet clear. What they said was that a return to what was broken 20 years ago is the first step in a process. But um, the eventual upgrade to, to uh, full relations, to uh, uh, an exchange of ambassadors, this is not certain yet. Indeed. Nevertheless, when we're looking at the situation uh, between France and Turkey, uh, as uh, all of you mentioned correctly, uh, France and Turkey have been at uh, loggerheads uh, over the eastern Mediterranean. But from what I hear in Ankara and in Paris as well, uh, the the main aspect of this uh, feud is actually about uh, Turkey's increase of influence in Africa. So uh, to what degree is this actually a point of contention over an actual uh, maritime dispute, or rather, uh, is this something of more uh, geopolitical, strategic aspects uh, uh, going down south into Africa? Well, uh, as far as I see, the, the Turkish uh, military intervention in Libya changed uh, the dimensions uh, and the balances in the uh, Turkish-French relations. Uh, let us also not forget, uh, since the... Uh, since the uh, ascension of uh, power of uh, Ahmed Davutoglu, when he took the office, he launched an opening in Africa. And I'm quoting now. He said that I want Mr. Sarkozy to see the Turkish flags every in every country that he's going to visit. Talking about so, the previous uh, France, prime minister of Turkey. First of all, he was foreign minister and then he cool. was uh, nominated uh, as the prime minister of Turkey. But he said this quotation... And, and, and now he's hospitalized was, with COVID. Uh, I, I didn't know that. And uh, he said that when he was a foreign minister. So um, let us not forget, Turkey inaugurated, if I'm not mistaken, uh, during the last uh, decade, 49 new embassies in all Africa. And... Uh, uh, friends, uh, not surprisingly, seeing this as a penetration uh, into its own territory. Uh, 
Besides that, we also should not underestimate the Turkish-French uh, friction in Lebanon. Uh, right after the huge explosion that took place in the uh, Beirut uh, port, we all have witnessed that uh, the Turkish Vice President Fuat Oktay paid a visit there and he tried to undermine the French influence in Lebanon. And uh, also let us not forget Cyprus. Uh, the French are also um, um, penetrating into the southern Cyprus and uh, they are uh, basically uh, creating a huge headache for the Turkish military when uh, they sent their uh, war jets uh, to Cyprus. So uh, this is like a chess game. Uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean, we are also seeing that the French uh, is sending its Charles de Gaulle uh, warship, and the Turks are seeing this as a very important threat and challenge. Uh, this is a sort of, a, uh, we can say, a, a real friction. And let us also not forget uh, the Turkish ghost ships uh, triggered the Operation Irini in the Eastern Mediterranean, and also the French and the Turkish Navy, they uh, also uh, deteriorated in a very uh, tense environment uh, when the French Navy uh, wanted to conduct a search uh, in the uh, Turkish uh, flagged uh, uh, ships. And as a result, uh, we happen to see the also uh, another important tension uh, took place in Paris um, when the Charles Hebdo uh, published another cartoon of Mr. Erdogan. And uh, later, we all happen to see the uh, another beheading terrorist act in uh, Paris. And as a result, Mr. Macron took an unprecedented uh, decision and he sought to limit uh, the nomination of foreign imams, of foreign religious uh, to France. Uh, in a way, he tried to minimize and limit the influence of the Turkish Directorate of Religious Affairs in France. Today, uh, the Turkish Directorate of Religious Affairs has branches in Paris, Bordeaux, Lyon, and in Marseille. And uh, when uh, the Turks uh, are uh, facing such sanctions, they are also very much anxious that these sanctions may create a domino effect, and their biggest uh, fear is that Germany will also adopt such measures. Uh, let us not forget the German police conducted a raid uh, against the Mevlana Mosque, which is located in Berlin, and uh, these mosques uh, are under the sponsorship of the Turkish Directorate of Religious Affairs and for from Turkish perspective, this is crucial because thanks to this organization, Turkey can maintain its own influence on its own diaspora. So this is very, very deep. It's not only Africa. Yes, I agree with you that the main friction is, uh, is, is caused by the Turkish penetration in Ankara, but it's bigger than that. Dr. Lerman, uh, we don't have very much time for this uh, part of the two uh, uh, program series, but I I'd like to hear your take. To what degree do you see the complexities in the Eastern Mediterranean actually bolster Israeli relations with Egypt at a time of uh, uh, close cooperation, not only in the Eastern Mediterranean, but also elsewhere? Well, they've definitely had a very significant uh, impact. Uh, on the deepening and uh, uh, the level of intimacy in the relationship, <laughs> the military level, intelligence level, even at the highest political level. As I said, it's been years and years since the Prime Minister actually could contemplate a visit uh, in Cairo. Moreover, I I'll take it a step further. 
when Egypt uh, increasingly uses its own Mediterranean identity, uh, building up the relationship uh, with Greece and Cyprus, when we together uh, put uh, institutionally uh, put together the structure of the EMGF, the Eastern Mediterranean Gas Forum, which became a, a regional organization in 2021. Uh, we actually transformed the nature or the definition of where we are. When Egypt thinks in terms of a Mediterranean identity, um, it, it redefines our Israel's place Israel's legitimacy in the, in the region. Well, if we are a, uh, a foreign, non-Muslim, non-Arab entity in a, a, contigu in a contiguous Arab-Muslim sea, it's one thing. If we are part of a mosaic of Mediterranean identities, and uh, Egypt looks at, at itself as did the great intellectual Tah Hussein in the first half of the 20th century, uh, as a Mediterranean country with strong Mediterranean interests and strong Mediterranean connections, then Israel's place in the region is much more natural. So all of this, I think, helps us put together a, a strategic reorientation which goes, uh, which has significance well into the fu deep future. Now, we all hope to see Turkey uh, find its place within that structure. When you read every joint statement that came out of the tripartite summits, the eight that we had with Greece and Cyprus and the ones that they had with Egypt in parallel, and the statement that there was issued upon the establishment of the EMGF as a regional organization, none of them excludes Turkey as such. But they do speak of like-minded nations, nations dedicated to similar purposes. Mm -hmm. This could be the case if Turkey changes course or changes leadership. Mr. Ogan, uh, we don't have very much time left. Uh, so in short, uh, before we uh, conclude today's program, how do you see everything developing in the near future on the aspects of uh, Israeli involvement in the Eastern Mediterranean? Well, perhaps not in the very near future, but one does have hope. You know, like uh, American authors um, used to speak about the character and spirit of the Mississippi River, the Mississippi-Missouri uh, River. And there is something about the Mediterranean uh, spirit. If one walks along the Corniche in Alexandria, in Tel Aviv, in Beirut, <coughs> in uh, Nice, or Marseille, it's the same Mediterranean, and hopefully we will get to a time when we are all going to be Mediterraneans. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today for today's program, but we will resume uh, our discussion on the Eastern Mediterranean, which has still many angles uh, to be discussed and analyzed. So I'd like to thank Dr. Lerman, uh, Dr. Konya Narochak, and Mr. Oren for being uh, in today's panel, and we will... Uh, see you soon again for the next panel on Tuesday. So I'd like to thank you all for uh, joining us and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media. <laughs>